So God has called you and I to be what? Grave walkers. Hmm. God has called you and I to be grave walkers. You see, as I'm continuing to teach you how to access the power of the resurrection, most Christians live still around the cross, still looking at the sin that held them back, still, you know, petting their sickness and their infirmities and, you know, their depressions and anxiety and addictions. They're just, you know, they're so focused on themselves to try to get clean, so focused on themselves to try to get healed, so focused on themselves to try to get a financial breakthrough that, that they've missed the power that gives you accessibility to all those things you're needing and you're believing for. The power was not in the death of Jesus. That was a transference of our sin, our sickness, our disease, Isaiah 53 says, our poverty. Where the kingdom was conferred or transferred to us and the spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is transferred to us is through his resurrection. So you and I, need to be thankful for the cross, thankful for Calvary, but Jesus doesn't want you living and focusing on just what happened on the cross. He wants you to live out what happened from the resurrection. Everybody say, I'm a grave walker. I'm a grave walker. That means you walk on those dead things that are under your feet. That means you walk on sickness and infirmity. That means you walk on poverty. That means you walk on unforgiveness and offense. That means you walk on addiction and racism and fear. That means you walk on every manner of lust that tries to rob you of your joy. The Bible says it's under your feet. Hmm. So most Christians understand what happened at the cross and how it happened, what it was there for, but they don't understand the why. And as you understand business and leadership, the most powerful person in the room, in the boardroom, is not the one that knows what and how. They hire those people. It's the ones that know the why. And if you want to walk in your kingdom authority and the victory that's already been purchased for you, it is finished, you're not going to get any more of God. The key is accessing more of God. He already said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. So what are you out here looking for anything for other than accessing the revelation, the revealing, the divine wisdom of the Father in you? There's not one person in here that has to walk in sickness anymore if you access his revelation. There's not one, more per one person who has to stress over finances again if you access this revelation. Hmm. You won't have to walk in fear, brokenness. You can walk in total victory. So, Hosea 4, 6 says this. God said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, not understanding the law, the scriptures. My people, God said, perish. That says one thing when the world perishes, but he said, my chosen children of Israel, my kids perish. You think that doesn't break the Father's heart to see that he gave his best, Jesus, and Jesus gave his best and took our poverty, our sin, our brokenness, our sickness, all that stuff on him? Fear, anxiety, depression, worry, all on himself, and the price is paid, but you don't cash the check. Now, I don't use checks anymore. You probably don't either. But now, you know, you're, you're not, what, uh, accessing your account or whatever. Using your debit card. You're, you, you just keep, you don't even realize how much has been deposited on your behalf. God said, the scripture says he is no respecter of persons. The scriptures say he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has paid the ultimate price. And Jesus' final words was what? It is finished. Now, even further proof of this, you say, well, how do I access this power you're talking about, this mighty power, this great power of the resurrection? Well, Jesus, the first three miracles he did when he appeared, his first three appearances after his resurrection, two of those appearances were to his disciples. 
And in Luke 24, you can read it both accounts there. And the first one, he was walking on the road of Emmaus, right? With these two disciples. And man, they, they didn't know who he was. He didn't show who he was. Who he was. And until they got kind of to the end on their way to Emmaus, they were almost there and they were going to stay overnight. And then he, he said, well, well, what about this Jesus? What happened? And they were moaning and groaning about how he'd been taken and crucified and they thought he was going to be the next king and all that. See, they had the wrong revelation. It hadn't been revealed to them yet why Christ came. And he took them back from Isaiah up through all the scriptures pertaining to his life and his death and his resurrection. And then they sat down and they broke bread. And when he broke bread and they broke bread and they had communion together, their eyes were open and they got a revelation of who he was. And as soon as they did, he disappeared. They get up immediately in the night, head back to Jerusalem, which was dangerous going back up the Mass Road and up around the winding, the, the, the road that is there. I forget the actual name of it, the old road to Jerusalem. I've been on it before, uh, walked on it. It's been shut down now. But uh, it was the same road that where, you know, they talked in Psalms about though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, that's that road they walked back through. That's where thieves, robbers, murderers were waiting for easy victims, bands of gangs and so on. But they didn't let it stop it. Just those two went all the way back. And they ran to the other disciples and said, hey, hey, he's risen. We saw him. We talked to him. And about that time, he appears again. And he upbraids all the others, the Bible says, for not getting that revelation sooner. And he showed himself to them. And he again shared the scriptures in verse 45. What's that tell you? If even those that ate with Jesus slept where he slept, who were there when he walked on the water, there when he raised Lazarus from the dead, there when he opened blind eyes and deaf ears and cast out demons, if, if they could not get revelation without the scriptures, how are you going to get it? Coming here on Sunday and let me go for an hour and try to pour and press and pull you along. And then when you do have a question, you just go and ask someone or mention it someone else that don't have the answer. That's like the little girl that didn't get a, a, a date to the homecoming dance. She calls the other two little girls and they whine and moan why they didn't get a, home, a date to the homecoming dance. They need to find out why they didn't and figure it out. Not, not call someone who's got the same issue and can't solve it. I'm here to stir up and to challenge you, to provoke you, to get you to dive in. You can listen to the Bible on your phone. You can read. You, there's all kinds. But here's the key. You are not going to go to the next level unless you are hearing the Word or reading the Word of God. Faith comes what? In Romans 10, faith cometh what? By hearing and hearing the Word. What does it do? Hearing with your natural ears and then hearing with your spiritual heart what does that do? That opens your blind eyes. That opens your natural eyes. You see, God has called you to move out. God, listen, if, how many of you are born again? Do you know you are no longer even of this earth? I'll show you in the scriptures in a minute. Yeah, but I'm sitting here. I'm breathing. I got skin. I'm flesh. And my body will die. Yeah, your body will die, but you won't. Your spirit and soul will live forever somewhere. Hopefully it's with God. God has already delivered you out of the earth realm. You can move out of the consciousness of the conditions you're living in and live above those into the spiritual kingdom that he has transferred you to by seeing differently. People have already shut down. Oh, that's heavy Rebbe right there. Well, because you wouldn't know the first Rebbe. That's why. So Christ's resurrection is the foundation of Christianity. That is the power, the same power that raised Christ, that is the same power you and I have. Christ's, Christ's resurrection is what? It's the mystery of salvation. You believe in this Jesus you've heard about, been taught about, you've never seen him, never talked to him. You believe he lived, he came and lived, came and was placed in a virgin, he was born, he walked 33 and a half years, he was crucified, he rose again, he went around and talked to people for 40 days of infallible proofs after his resurrection, then he ascended to heaven, and he released the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, to be here and dwell with us. And, and you believe that. If you don't, you're not born again. Just let me help you. And you confess that. But are you accessing 
what's been transferred on you. That's why 2 Corinthians says what? 517. What does it say? It says, when you were born again, you became a new creature, a creation in Christ Jesus, and old things have passed away. That's why John 3 says that you must be born again to, to enter the kingdom, and then Jesus said you also must be born again, what? To see the kingdom. There's a lot of people in the kingdom, but they don't see the kingdom. If you don't see the kingdom, you can't access what the kingdom has for you. Anybody in here want to walk at a higher level of faith and authority in God? Let's see if I'm talking to the right people. Without the, and it says, and what happens is, Christ's resurrection is a mystery of salvation, translating us from the kingdom of darkness of this earth into the kingdom of his marvelous light, his kingdom. So there was a kingdom transfer took place when you were born again. You became a child of God. It gave us the power to become grave walkers. The Bible tells us in Matthew 27, verses 50 through 53, that when Christ took his last breath and died, but then it says when he rose on the day of resurrection, when Christ rose from the dead on the third day, the Bible says that faithful children of God that were dead and deceased in the tombs and the graves, the graves opened up and they came out just as Christ was showing himself, they came out of the graves, walked on top of their graves, in and around the holy city, showing themselves to people. Wow. See, 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 I say that, and you just look at me. And Miss Gwen, they didn't even have the Holy Spirit in them. They were just around the power, the mighty great power of the resurrection and it, it just like a vacuum. They just got their coast right on its shoulders. See, you got to stop coasting and start leading. Get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Patting your headaches and patting, you know, your hung toenails and stuff. Hallelujah. This church is not for everybody. I'm definitely not for everybody. Thank God Stephanie saw grace and mercy. But I'll tell you who it's for. It's for people that refuse to be satisfied. It's for people that are hungry for righteousness. It's for people that want to go to the next level, the next level, the next level, not for ourselves, but for God and his kingdom. And we're digging in. You know, you don't even have to really get the revelation of what I'm talking about today. You're going to be around so many revelation people. You'll get some effect, some draft off of that. Just like these others became grave walkers. They were dead. Some of them for hundreds of years. Maybe a thousand or more. And they came out of their tombs and walked around. Just by being near that mighty spirit. It also says what happened when Jesus rose from dead. It said the veil in the temple. There was a huge veil from the floor to the ceiling in every temple. And behind that was called the Holy of Holies. And back when Aaron and them first instituted that for God, God had them instituted. They had to put a little bell on the, and tie a string on the priest because a priest would go behind the veil, crawl into the Holy of Holies, and pray for the sins of the people. And if he died... They had to drag him out. But if they could hear that bell ringing, they'd leave him alone until he just finished what he had to do. That veil represents the presence of God. In God's presence, nothing can stand that's anti-God or anti-anointed. Sin, sickness, none of that stuff. So what happened was, whenever that veil, the Bible said there's a great quake, shake, earthquake, all that, when Jesus rose from the dead. But get this, it said the 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 uh, veil in the temple rent or ripped from the top to the bottom. And that represents that it's no longer just the priests and the God's priests, God's kings, and God's prophets that can have the presence on them. Now every believer can have the presence of God on them. Not just any presence. The same presence. You get that? The same presence. The same. How many of y'all been on those some of those call those calls with me on, at night Monday through Friday? Way back. Yeah, amen. A bunch of you, over a hundred. I guess by the next day, well over a hundred views each time, and I appreciate it, huh? 
Facebook, I'm sorry, yeah, Facebook. You need to get on that page Pastor Mark's talking about. You guys are already kind of ahead of the, everybody else because I've been sharing this in more depth. So what happens is there is a translational experience that happens through the power of the resurrection. There's a translational experience that happens through the power of the resurrection. When you gave your life to Christ, did you feel anything differently? When you gave your life to Christ, did you see things differently? Feel things differently? Did you know you were different? Wow, five people did, and the rest of you, I guess we'll have an altar call for salvation. Did you feel or see anything different? Colossians 1.13. I'm setting you up. Just don't get nervous. Y'all, y'all, just don't get nervous. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us in the, to the kingdom of his dear son. So when we gave our life to Christ, we were transferred from this earth realm and death into the kingdom, the unseen realm. Now we're ambassadors on the earth. This is not our home anymore. So believers have two kinds of eyes. I shared that with you on Easter, natural and spiritual. And the whole goal is light or revelation is what opens your spiritual eyes that you can see in the unseen realm and access through the power of the Spirit of God in you whatever you need to access in those unseen realms of God. We see that Adam and Eve, what did they do? They listened to the lie of Satan, deception of Satan. The lie was, he told Eve, you know, you won't die if you eat that tree of knowledge of good and evil. He's just concerned because you'll know the things he knows and, and he don't want you to be equal with him. And what she didn't realize was it was a lie because when God made her and Adam in his image and likeness and the likeness of the Holy Spirit, Father and Son, she already knew everything God knew. He wanted her to know. He wanted her to walk in a God-like authority because he created her from himself. Just like he created Adam. I know she came out of the bone of Adam, but you got to look in the spirit realm. She was even created before he removed the bone from Adam. That's just to get the natural part. Because yeah. God has walked both male and female. Everybody fighting. I'm male, I'm female, me, woman, me, man. Listen, no, we all won in God. It takes both male and female to bring the wholeness of the Father. Amen. So two of those first three miracles I talked to you about. I'm, I'm, look here. So the essence of the power of the resurrection is to open up our spiritual eyes so our original dominion can be recovered. That's why Romans 5 said, and the second Adam being Jesus came and died and rose again and took our sin on him and justified us so we could find the righteousness of God. What? The second Adam. The son of man, the second Adam. So the essence of the power of his resurrection is opening your spiritual eyes to recover the dominion that we lost. Now let's look at Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 17. It says, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you the spiritual wisdom and insight. Spiritual wisdom and insight so that you what? Might grow in the knowledge or knowing of God. That's revelation to know Verse 18, I pray that your hearts be flooded with light, revelation, wisdom, so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people. The confident hope he's given to those he's called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. You are the inheritance of God. You are the pride of his life. Verse 19, I pray also that you understand what the incredible greatness of God's power. Can we put these scriptures up, please? You got them back there. Please put them up. Thank you. So I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness, what, of God's power for us who believe in him. This is what the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Let's just stop. 
Lord, would you, could you, please, should you? He did. Lord, God didn't call you a beggar. He called you to be a grave walker. He didn't call you to live in a tomb. He called you to raid tombs and, and empty them out, resurrecting people so that they could come to Christ. That's what he called you to do. So this same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him, everybody say seated him, in the place of honor at God's right hand in what? Heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler, authority, or power, or leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. Now here's where I'm wanting to get to today. Here's where I want to mess with you a little bit. I'll tear you apart and put you back together. I don't about tear you apart, but I'll tweak you a little bit. Pet you after. How's that sound? Sounds a little better. So we're talking about the greatness of this power of the resurrection. The mighty power, as the Bible calls it, the mighty power of his resurrection positions his children above all principalities, powers, and so on. Now here's where we want to go. Ephesians 2, let's begin in verse 4. But God, everybody say, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses or sins, look now, made us alive together with Christ. Ooh. Give me that in the Amplified. If that's not the Amplified, please, I'm sorry. Raised us together with Christ. How did you get raised if you're not dead? Didn't say he will raise you. Tom said he did raise you. How did that miracle happen before you were conceived, before you were twinkling your daddy's eye and, you know, a dream in your mama's belly? You were. Well, 2 Timothy 1 tells us that whom he saved and called with a holy calling, not according to your own works, but in Christ, but called you in, and gave you a holy calling and grace in Christ Jesus before time began. God knew you, called you, put an assignment on your life before you were ever conceived in a human. Why? Because your spirit. So how did you get resurrected? When Christ got resurrected, and you weren't born yet. I'm not talking about the second resurrection. I'm talking about the first. Made us alive. That's why John 3 says that we're dead. Jesus said you're dead. He said to be born again. That means you must have been dead if you were born again to see and to enter the kingdom. What is that? Your spirit, the dominion and the godlike spirit who you really are, the first Adam and Eve were, when they gave it all over to Satan, we lost our dominion. And our spirit abides in a state of death, and all we're living through is flesh, blood, bone, and your soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions. But the spirit, who you really are, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul said, I pray for your whole, W-H-O-L-E, spirit, soul, and body, that it be found blameless in that day. We got denominations and people arguing over, is it a dichotomy or a trichotomy? That means, is it like the spirit and the soul is one and the body is the other? Or is it spirit, soul, and body? And we got people arguing, is it the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? Or are they individual or they're this? Why don't you just get some of the power and let God handle that? Because it's, you know, if you're wrestling over that, people are going to hell. If you're wrestling over that, people are not getting delivered. If you're wrestling over that, people are not being healed. If you're wrestling over that, you're probably in poverty. He even said resurrection of the dead in Hebrews was one of the base confidences we're to have. So even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Look now, and what? Raised us up together. Ooh. I've just never been with Christ. Yeah, you have. You just... We're conscious of it. Raised us up together, what? 
and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Think about that. Makes sense. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in every believer. You're saved by grace, this same grace that he's talking about, through what? Faith. Huh. And he, why would he give you the commission of John 14? You're not going to do the works I've done, but even greater works than these. Why would he tell you that even if you believe your faith can move a mountain? He wasn't talking about, well, you know, someday, 10,000 years later, dozers will come. No, he said you can move a mountain. You know, the same guy that calmed a storm and walked on the water, that guy. Made us sit together in heavenly places. Where though? In Christ Jesus. When you were transferred, now you're in him and he's in you. So you've been transferred or conferred from the old you, the old kingdom, into the new kingdom. This is no longer your home. Now you're an ambassador here. Your home is heaven. That's why when they asked Jesus, how, what would we ask you to pray? Teach pray. He said, pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. And then somebody asked him where the kingdom is. He said, the kingdom is even here now. The kingdom is in you now. We're praying and trying to get where we already are. Yeah, there will be a rapture. Yeah, we'll be in the third heaven. You got to realize there's three heavens. But anyway, we'll be in the third heaven with him. But then he's just going to tear everything up here and make a brand new heaven. Yes. So what are you concerned about? That's like, you know, peanut butter and jelly, mixing it together. Which one do you like the most? Just enjoy the sandwich. <laughs> just enjoy the sandwich. People get so deep, they get stuck. So where are you seated right now? Where are you seated right now, church? Where are you seated right now, church? Right of the Father. Well, where's the Father at? Huh? So if you believe John 3.16, are you going to throw Ephesians 2 out? Where's the Father? Say it. Where are you? Heavenly places. The reason he is the king of all kings is a king, does every king have the same borders and the same amount of territory? They only have the amount of territory they cannot control but dominate. A kingdom is a place of dominion. You're not a king if you don't have a dominion you dominate in. So listen to me. Everywhere. God dominates you are. Yes. See, you're all caught up in heaven. I'm still here. Mama's in heaven and I'm not in heaven. Honey, are you in heaven? I see you. You see me. We're not in heaven. Get saved. Or at least step away from the cross and move into the great power, the mighty power of the resurrection. Yes. Or just stay stuck in poverty and unbelief and fear and sickness and anxiety. But why don't you just get ticked off and get mad at the devil instead of pouting at God? God didn't call you to be a beggar. Jesus. King's kids don't beg. I just wish I'd feel better. Well, then something in you needs to die because dead men and dead women don't have feelings. When you're a dead to yourself, then you can be alive in Christ. He's yelling at us. Dr. did he yell at you? Yes, dear, I think he did. Just yelling at the devil in you, that's all. Did he say there's a devil in us? I don't know. Do you know? If you don't know if I'm yelling or not, you may not know. I don't know. I can pray for you. Hmm. See, 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 I'm not nervous. Because God didn't call me to preach some little mamby-pamby thing and pet you and say, oh, it'll get better, sweetheart, in the by and by. Then I got to go preach your stinking funeral. I'd rather see you live and not die. 
I dare see you healed and not sick. I dare see you writing great checks and, and investments in the kingdom of God and spread the gospel instead of begging to get your car payment paid. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in your issues, than he who is in your problems, than he who is in your fear, than he who is in your sickness, than he who is in your trial. Greater! But see, which eyes are you living by? Earthly eyes or spiritual eyes? I, I'm really going to mess you up. Just, I, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, this is just, just appetizer. I, no, I'm going to mess you up. You, you be thinking, crying, screaming. You be, it's all right. It's all good. Stephanie's going, oh, Lord, what's he going to do? So, said it made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. So if you're in Christ, you're wherever he's dominating. That is, that in the ages to come, that in the ages to come, he might show you the exceeding riches of his grace and the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In the ages to come. Well, that's talking about the future. Well, you're 2,000 years later. Is that the future? So if that's the future, you're in the future. You're in the ages to come. You are seated in heavenly places. And from now on, you need to begin to walk in the consciousness or the revelation by the power that was conveyed on you. What you say matters. What you think matters. But if you say, I just, you know, it's just me running my mouth. Well, speak that death on yourself. Speak that divorce on your children. Well, well, you know, Scripture does say, Gertrude, that life and death is in the tongue. That's why he had to shut John the Baptist's father up and make him a deaf mute, not a deaf, but made him a mute to where he couldn't speak until John was born because he couldn't figure out how they couldn't conceive a child. Now they're old and now his wife's pregnant and now they're having a child and he wasn't going to let him speak any other life or death on John because God had already chosen him to be the one that would speak about his son coming. So he had to shut his mouth physically. You know, a lot of us would be better off if he just shut our mouth physically. We'd probably live a lot longer. And sin a lot less. Why well, in the Holy Ghost house? Oh, I forgot about the keyboard warriors. You so anyway. He called them a wimp. So you're not called to be a struggler. You're not called to be a beggar. So it's time to wake up and take charge. It's just time to wake up. Wake up out of your slumber. Take charge of your affairs. Take charge of your domain. Take charge of your stuff. Take charge of your family. Take charge of your community. You too busy parsing politics with a bunch of dust walking around the earth that can't change anything unless God allows them to. The heart of the king is in God's hand. You, you spend all this time wearing it. Yeah, go vote, go do all that, but just shut up after that. If you're going to testify, test about the blood, uh, uh, testify about the blood of Jesus. If you're going to brag on somebody, brag on Jesus. If you're going to recruit somebody, I bet some of you recruited more to your, your political party than you have to the kingdom of God. That's, that's hot. I'd love to see some of you get as passionate about God as you are politics. Quiet in the Holy Ghost house. Oh, Lord. If you're born again, I'm not saying don't be passionate. Oh, you don't like me because I'm passionate about politics. No, I'm not. I just don't want you to be more passionate about that than you are Jesus. And I don't want you to kill your influence with Jesus because even if this country blows up and it's not going to, it's God's country. He's got it anyway. But here's the bottom line. What are you doing for eternity? I think God can take care of the rest. You just, you just do what you're supposed to do. So, if you're born again, you're now seated in heavenly places. Now, is Satan in heavenly places? 
Hmm? No. Right? How could Satan? Because in the Bible say he got kicked out of heaven. I want you, you go, you, you've been, you've been, had this chained up yapping dog outside your front door, keeping you from stepping out into the best God has for you. And you just listen to this yapping dog that has no power. Everybody brags on the devil. Well, you know, people that see a demon here and see a demon there, that's devil worship. Bible says he's under your feet. The only way he can be elevated is you elevating him up to what you hear and see and you, you talk about him all the time. If you talk about something all the time, you worship it. If that's what you see instead of God, then that's what you worship. Oh, <laughs> uh, you'll love me after this. So what is it? Heaven is a place, maybe we can agree on this. Heaven is a place where Satan has no say. Can we, can we agree on that? Well, let's put scripture to it for all you theologians. Revelation 12, verse 7. Revelation 12, verse 7. I'm going to read it in the NIV. You can read it whatever you want. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Because even Jesus said, remember Luke, that I saw Satan cast out of heaven as lightning and hit the earth. But he did not prevail. Nor was a place. Everybody say a place. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Nor was there a place found for them. Who? Satan and his angels. One third of the angels. Nor was there a place found for them where? In heaven. Any longer. Verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. He's giving you both names just in case. Who deceives the whole world. He was cast where? To the earth. And his angels were cast with him. Let me talk about that for a second. Oh, hallelujah. So, if Satan and his fallen angels are no longer in heaven, heavenly places, remember, Ephesians says you were called up into heaven with Christ, right, in him. So, if you're born again through the mighty power of the resurrection, the Holy Spirit, now you have been transferred, Colossians said, or conveyed into, conferred into the mighty kingdom of God, Kingdom of what? Heaven. So therefore, if Satan is not in heavenly places, how does he have access? See, he can never have access to the heavenly place you're in, but you can give him access to blind you or to rob you or what he did to Eve, deceive you, and I deceive you into laying down your place. He did to Adam and Eve. He didn't have any power to take the kingdom. He only had power to deceive. Did you know Satan is not omnipresent? Satan is not omniscient, all-knowing. He's not everywhere all the time. He's not omnipotent, all-powerful. The Bible actually says, if I had time, I'd take you to you. The only power there is is the power from God. Satan has no power. The Bible even says that he diminishes day by day. In other words, his deception and everything gets weaker day by day. The only reason it's still, you know, thriving is because people prophesy and worship it. Too many Christians are Satan worshipers. All you call them Christians are Satan worshipers. I'm not saying that in the sense that you're an actual worshiper of Satan. What I'm saying is you give him so much glory, you make him so much bigger than he really is. Old man, old, old preacher named John Abazini said years ago, he said the devil is like an old dog laying there that's dead. 
We know Satan is barely alive, but he's like an old dog laying dead. The only way the dog's going to move, if you walk up and kick the dog, and any movement it has is from the, 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 the pressure of your foot hitting its body. The only pressure Satan can put on your life is when you reach out to him. The only pressure he can reach on your life is when you start focusing on him. When you start speaking about him. When you start thinking about him. I'm not saying ignore the fact that there's a devil. Of course there is. But just know the truth because the truth will set you free. The truth is the devil is powerless and impotent under your feet. The only way he can be elevated is if you speak him and give him attention to be elevated. Look at me. Colossians 1, I'm going to read verse 9, verse 12, verse 13. Verse 9, verse 12, verse 13 in the Amplified. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about it, we have not stopped praying for you, asking specifically that you may be filled with the knowledge, revelation, of His will in all spiritual wisdom, in all of His insight and purposes, and in understanding of spiritual things. See, you've you got to get this, guys. You, you over here giving the devil power by giving him attention and, and building him up and afraid of him like he's something. You know what you do to a devil? You command him. You tell him to shut. I met people, oh, they're, they're possessed by a devil. I, just go around. I say, stop it now. And they stop. And if they're not, I go down and whisper in their ears. I say, now, when I tell devils to stop, they stop. But you over here acting like a fool. So if you're going to act like a fool, I'm going to have my ushers take you out like a fool. And then they just stop. And just get all calm and get delivered. Because it's not a devil, it's flesh. But you've got to be able to discern between spirit and flesh. Which realm do you focus on? The spirit realm or the natural realm? You focusing on where you don't even live anymore. Quiet in the Holy Ghost house. I feel like a coach taking you, getting you ready for the Super Bowl. I really do. I just feel like God's getting ready to do so many big things, and I don't want you to miss it. I just don't want you to. Well, I just don't understand how that all happened for the church. Isn't that awesome? I want you to be prophesied it and sowing in it and believing in it and serving it. I want it to be your victory too. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us what to share in the inheritance of the saints, God's people, in the light, the understanding of Revelation. Verse 13, for he rescued us and has drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. So think about this, guys. So many times we're praying, God, deliver me. Well, if you're a blood boat, you're delivered. Say, Satan, get under my feet. God don't have to deliver you. You just need to tell the devil to get under your feet. You need to tell the devil to leave your family. You need to speak to those spirits because you, you have the spirit to dominate and command them. Just try it. Stop it. You've been like, oh, Lord, praying and groveling around, wasting good prayer time. You could be praying for really good stuff instead of moaning and groaning over, you know, some little weak, impotent weenie like the devil. Speak to him. Tell him to shut up and move. That's what I do. People don't want to submit and keep acting goofy. And frankly, I, I just get in my prayer clothes and say, move them, go. Command that spirit to leave this church. Repent or leave. And I see him leave. Don't have to happen very often, just every now and then. Just go. Because whatever spirit's controlling them is the one that's going to show up. <laughs> you look at me like, oh, a crazy pastor. I mean, you drink white milk out of a brown, car, brown cow eating green grass living in a red barn and you don't question it at all. It's okay. Good milk. But when it comes to the spirit, it's too complicated. Just That's why you have faith. Trust it. Just trust what your preacher's saying and check him out. Get the scriptures and read them. That's all you got to do. Don't call somebody that wasn't here and don't know anything. And, well, what do you think? This is what he said. Well, they probably don't have as much revelation as you do. Matter of fact, you got more than they do. You at least been around and heard it. What you need to do is get the word out and get in the word. Oh, 
gosh, I'm going to hit that, I'm going to hit that, I'm going to hit that. But I got to hit this. As a matter of fact, when the devil attacks you, rejoice. That's what the Bible says. Revelation 12, 12 says this. O heavens, and you who dwell in them, in the presence of God. We're at in the presence of God. That's where the heavenly realm is. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you in great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time remaining. So Satan knows he's only got a short time remaining. And so he's really working overtime. He's out to destroy you. He's out to destroy your family. He's out to kill your cat and steal your dog. He wants everything. But he don't have the power to get anything. Because he can't be in your place if you're in your place. The only way he can get you is when you step out of your authority into his authority. He's not even the God of this world anymore. He just makes you think he is. If you go study the scriptures, you'll see he's not anymore. He was, but he's not. Once Christ rose from the dead, he's not. People say, oh, he's the God of this world. He was the God of this world. Well, I just don't understand. Why would God create a devil? He didn't create a devil. He created Lucifer, who was this beautiful one that was to guard the throne of the presence, his worship leader, the, actually the most powerful cherub he had, the wisest, the most beautiful and talented. But he's the one that got in his heart. Isaiah said that I will, the five I wills ascend to the throne and I will be God. And once that happened, God said, take care of him. He's done. Michael and his team kicked him out of heaven. So God didn't make the devil. The devil made himself by stepping out of his place. Satan didn't have authority over Adam and Eve. And if they had never been deceived by Satan, he wouldn't even be talked about in the earth today. But because they were deceived by him, they gave him their place. Now, he couldn't enter it, right? He can't take it because God's not going to let him in any heavenly place. But they stepped out of it and he dominated them. But the second Adam came, Romans 5, and took on death, hell, and the grave. Took on sin, poverty, and hatred. And what? Put it all on him and paid the price once and for all. And reestablish you and I the opportunity to move into what? Our heavenly position. Our heavenly place. As long as you remain in an earth consciousness, an earth mindset, you're going to be prone to the attacks and the oppressions of the devil. The more attacks you have, well, God's just doing a lot. I guess we're being attacked. Well, maybe your attention's in the wrong place. We've had, we knew we had three more units here that we got to replace, and we kind of put it on the schedule. We were going to replace one this month. We actually, they're in the middle of replacing it. should be done by early next week. $35,000. stuff. So, so that happened. Guess what? We had two more go down. So now we have this whole wing over here with a thirty-five to $38,000 unit down. We got two back here. We got one we're putting in. And I said, well, let's go on and put another one in. And now we meant to put another. That's almost a $100,000 hit. I'm not nervous. It's not my church. It's his. It's ours. But see, then what I do is say, well, you know what? I'm going to teach our people. We, we let the devil get our attention too much or something because this shouldn't be so. This is God's house. I know the building's 13 years old, but you shouldn't have to replace. That would make all six we've got to replace. But, but what is that? It's not going to be aggravating you and trying to deceive you if, if, if you're not doing nothing. I just don't know why. It just seems like the attacks on my life when I just start praying more and serving more and loving more. Duh. Who, if you're the devil and you can't be omnipresent, who are you going to attack? The one that has the most influence that will listen to you. 
ask you, are you ready to step into your place? In the fullness of your place. I want you to stand right now. Here's all that you do. I want you to close your eyes. <clears throat> and I want you to put in front of your face whatever it is that seems to get your attention and robs you of your faith. Because you can't do anything without faith. Faith is the way the kingdom works. God's no respecter of persons. What is it? Anything that would rob you of your faith. Anything that would rob you of your faith. Sin that so easily besets you. A fear of an illness, or maybe it is an illness, which is not sin, but an illness in your life, physical illness. Maybe a financial attack. Maybe even a curse that's been on your family for generations. I don't know what it is. But I know there's power in this room right now to break it off your life. There's power in this room to break addiction forever off your life right now. That's the way God did it for me. I couldn't stop drugs and all that. 17 people on a Sunday night in a little Nazarene church. When I got sold out to God and gave my life to Him, when I stood up, I was free. That don't happen for everybody like that, but it did for me. I just want you to know, it can happen like that for you today, if you'll believe God can't do anything beyond what you believe. Well, why does he do that for her? And why does he do that for him? And I've been a Christian 20 years. They just got saved. And God gave them a new car. And, and they were a drug addict. Well, I guess it was so miraculously saved. It blew their mind that they could ever be saved and even be alive to be saved, that God would save them. And then on top of that, to set them free of an addiction, man, their faith's out the roof. Your faith, you've just been kind of humming along for years. But if you want to step in your place, your heavenly position in the fullness, you're in it, but I'm talking about stepping up in it to dominate. And I want you to put that one thing in front of you right now. Fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, sins that so easily beset you, whatever it is. Need a healing in your body, sickness, disease, whatever it is. Said so by his stripes you were healed. I'm going to pray for you. And it's going to come off you if you only believe. You say, well, I've been trying. I've been praying for years for that, Pastor. Well, then pray for God to help your belief. Remember when the man, when his son stoned himself in the fire, the disciples had healed all these other people but couldn't deliver his son? And then he said to the father when he brought him to him, well, where's your faith? He said, I have faith, but help my unbelief. So maybe you just have to help God, get God to help you remove some of that unbelief out of your life. You don't need more faith. You've got plenty of faith. A mustard seed can move a mountain. You just need to get rid of that unbelief. Listen, your belief system is taught to you. You've been taught. Your, what you believe today has been taught to you, and you've accepted it. So if you want to go where you haven't been before, you've got to take that lid off and allow the Holy Spirit to download, to, to upgrade your belief system. 